This is the Modern CTO Podcast. I spent, I spent, you know, I'm going to totally, you know, age myself here, but um, I spent, I spent the nineties touring the world, putting out records, playing drums in a punk rock band called Horace Pinker. And I've always played music my whole life. I've always been the guy that's been in the band or set up the shows and done those type of things. And um, I went to school for uh, English. So I was a, 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 my, my, my major in university was, was English, but my passion was always music. And um, so I started doing that full time after college and, um, and it just kind of over the years, you know, we, we decided you know, it's, we didn't have any money in order to, to, to pay people to do things because we were always touring out on the road. And so when, you know, this thing called the internet really started getting some traction, I, I, I basically, no one else knew how to do it. So I, you know, did my AOL dial up, downloaded a WYSIWYG called Hot Dog, nice. um, got my, <laughs> you know, bought a domain and got my FTP client and I, I built a website for our band. And then when I started a record label around 95, because I started putting out records for other bands, I started doing the, the, the website for my record label. And it just kind of grew from there. And then in 97, 98, we decided to take a break because we'd been on the road for six years straight. And our singer went to university to, 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 to go get his Ph.D., and oh, wow. so I needed to get a job. So I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll build websites for a living. And uh, that's how this started. So what was a, a hobby turned into a full-time profession. And I've been, I've been doing it ever since. That's really cool. That's, yeah. that sounds like a lot of right place, right time. Yeah. In terms of like having the right skills, building a website, right? As that's all booming. Yeah. And it was just, you know, and there were, I mean, you know, there were books. I definitely, you know, bought all my HTML and JavaScript and ASP books and, you know, it's it's not so much anymore, but I, I remember, you know, in the early 2000s, I thought it was, it was just kind of funny that people actually went to school to do this stuff. I'm like, really? You, you actually yeah. went to college to learn how to build websites? Because we all just kind of figured it out ourselves back in the day. Yeah. So, so did you, you said you also started a record company too. Is that like your first foray into business as well? Um, I would say uh, officially, yes. So, you know, I mean, we were, we were putting out, you know, records on a bunch of different labels and making other people money. And it just kind of got to the point after all these tours and we met all these bands from all over the world that were really good, but not a lot of people had heard of them. And, and so I just made it my, my plan, you know, and, and, and part of anything in life is, is, is networking. So, you know, once you get the skills, so if you, if you think about music, once I learned the skills of how to play an instrument, then that translated into, okay, well, let's dive deeper into the music industry. Let's look at, you know, how are we dealing with record label contracts, distribution, uh, PR, marketing, you know, things, things like that. And, and so I just kind of went into that and it seemed like a natural um, progression in order to start my own record label and start putting out, you know, records for, for other bands and, and, and doing distribution for them as well. So um, it was, it was interesting, but the music industry is uh, pretty brutal. So I think I, I don't know, I kind of enjoy technology a little bit, a little bit better. It also, it also, yeah. it also pays a little bit better as well. For sure. Yeah. I mean, so were you 
putting out records in the time like where people actually made money putting out records before the internet like destroyed that absolutely yeah i mean um you know the bands that we were touring with back in the day was was green day and offspring and, oh wow and i mean i remember you know jimmy eat world we used to pay them to open up for us and because <laughs> we 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 the, the band started in 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 tempe and so jimmy eat world was just this you know they were just this group yeah yeah this group of kids and so whenever we came through tempe we'd have them open up for us and pay them like 50 bucks and oh my god like <laughs> But, you know, but that's back when, you know, you could put out a record and actually sell a bunch and, and, and for sure. Yeah. That, if you were lucky enough to get paid off that, but I would say, yeah, I remember when Napster came in and, and that, that, that definitely changed everything. And, uh, and, and nowadays, I mean, we still do the band. In fact, we are, we're, we're sitting on about five songs right now. We're going to do a full length record before the pandemic hit. And that kind of put things on hold. But, you know, I just I kind of look at the landscape now and I'm just like, I don't understand how 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 bands do it anymore. The, 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 the Internet, you know, music streaming, it, it doesn't pay any money. And I don't know how how they can survive or, or, or how you really break out of of. I mean, on one hand, I think it's really good because it opens up a lot of new channels and opportunities for people to right. use occurred. But on the other hand, it creates so much noise and there's such a there's just such a huge amount, just a huge volume of, of content. How do you break out of that? I just find it really challenging nowadays. Yeah, I think it's certainly more challenging, but I think that's also an inevitable result of democratizing access to it, where there's just a lot more mouths to feed. And I think that's overall a good thing though, because I mean, it used to be you either had to have a ton of money to pay someone to pay like studio to record you just the tape was like a ton of money but now that anyone with a laptop can put some stuff out there that's really cool although absolutely unfortunate that you get paid like zero cents per stream but i don't know i think uh there's a lot of evolution to occur there yeah there's good and good and bad i'm just uh right i'm just glad i don't i don't do it for a living anymore so <laughs> Absolutely. Well, talking about what you're doing for a living, how did you get further along in technology after your first website building job? Where did your career go from there? I think my my first real job was with a company called GMV Networks here in Chicago. And they were, this is back when Man, I'm really dating myself. So this is this is this is back when you know, in order in order to do video or audio on on the internet, you had the real player, you had Windows Media Player, and you had the Apple Player. So those were you know, and they, they were proprietary applications. So you had to download and you had to make you you had to create your content that was formatted specifically for for those um, proprietary systems, and so. We started um, out doing this startup company called GMV Networks, where we were building um, a, a open source Java-based applet for audio and video streaming. And so we started doing a lot of that. There's a, a big club here in Chicago called the Metro. So we started doing a lot of stuff with the Smashing Pumpkins and and streaming their shows and building their website. And so we were trying to build that out. And unfortunately, it didn't really it didn't really go 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 anywhere and then from then i just kind of moved on into to, to, to the agency landscape and so i've been working at agencies for the past you know 20 years and i've had the opportunity to work at some of the some of the um 
the, the largest agency, some of the best agencies in the world and working on global accounts. And, and uh, I lived in Australia for a couple of years. Oh, cool. Running technology out there for Sapient. And then I opened up the RGA office in uh, Sydney. So that was an, a great experience. And then I ended up working in Europe for a while on uh, clients like Volvo and Dyson, building out their uh, commerce and content platforms. And so um, that's kind of where my career has just progressed. It's I've just gone, I've had the, the, the privilege of working at some really great agencies with some really smart people and getting more opportunity to work more globally. Very cool. So how did you get involved with Office of Experience? I've known these guys for about 10 years. So um, a couple of the guys I worked with at, at Sapient back in the day. And I, I'd say, you know, just like any industry, whether it be music or technology or whatever it is, it's, it's very incestuous. You have people that that, that that move around that, you know, the that's it, the ones that are in this are, are, are really in this and, and you really excel at, at at networking. And so you just, you keep in touch with people. And a couple of the uh, the guys here at Office of Experience, I, I worked with it at, at Sapient. And so we kept in touch over the years and and uh, throughout the years, we've discussed about, you know, how can we start to work together again? And we've had some on and off discussions. And um, about a year and a half ago, it, it just made sense for me to to come on board. So, you know, Office of Experience has been around for seven years. They're based out of Chicago. It's a it's a full service end-to-end agency. And and you know, they're 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 design driven. It's digital first, it's vertically integrated, very collaborative. So it's a really great culture. They have some really great clients that um that that really just form partnerships. And I just thought that was a good opportunity to come in and really help them excel their 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 technology growth and build out more more capabilities so very cool i'd say some of those some of the work we're doing around around um, content and commerce platforms working with our partners like sitecore and 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 epi epi which is called optimizely now salesforce and uh, just building out capabilities around that awesome can can you walk me through what some of your client engagements look like? Um, it, it, it really depends. It kind of, it runs, it runs the spectrum, but I would say, you know, what we focus on is, is what the founders, Carlos and Stratton call the bow tie. So you have the expectation versus the reality. And, and in the middle of that, in that intersection, that's where, you know, you really get the brand experience. So that's where you understand what's real and, and what isn't. And so what we do is we work with our clients to help them navigate that, that intersection between expectation and, and reality. So we can really define the problem statement and then help them come up with solutions in order to meet their goals. And so um, I would say whether it be working with, with Mac trucks, um, since I've been on board, we've done a lot of uh, data work with, with Mac. Like the long haul trucking company, Mac? Uh, Mac, yes. Yep. Mac oh, trucks, cool. yeah. They're part of Volvo. And um, and so they've had a partnership with them for a while now. Uh, the work that I've been doing specifically with them has been around data visualization and how do we aggregate these multiple data sources, get that normalized, be able to query that and pull up that data so they can make uh, better, better, uh, more, more uh, informed business decisions around their marketing activities and their touch points with their customers. 
Um, another big client that we've been working with on a on a on a, a business transformation project, a digital transformation project, has been ASCM. So they're a they're a supply chain management company, and so really going in. What started out as design, as basically a, a redesign of, and, and replatforming of their commerce site, has now turned into an organizational transformation and helping them oh, wow. and helping them become more agile, build, you know, more product focused. How do they build teams that that are that are product focused, product driven, and being an extension of their team, providing subject matter expertise to help them to help enable them to uh, to make that transition. For some context, how many people are working at Office of Experience? There's about, right now, there's about 60 folks, about 60, okay. 60 65 people. Um, most of them are here in Chicago. We do have some folks spread out around the country, and then we have various partners that we work with uh, globally, kind of just depending on our needs at the time and how we need to scale. Cool. Yeah, because when you're talking about that engagement you have with that company where you started out by just revamping their website and now it's this highly involved digital transformation process that just had me thinking like how are you able to stay that nimble to be able to react to the client need like that and totally change direction of your level of involvement with them yeah that's um that's a good question <laughs> it's easier <laughs> easier said than done yeah you know it, it's um it never ceases to amaze me when you know it doesn't matter what what company you're working with how long they've been around how cutting edge they may be around their product service offering when you when you start to look under the hood and, and I, i've seen this with companies that have been around for a long time i've seen this with tech startup companies and when you go in and you start looking under the hood and just seeing the the and i think um I think your, your your founder calls it the the spaghetti code. I think a lot of companies are trying to get so much done in such a short period of time that there's just a lot of there's not a lot of long-term thought in their selection of platforms to enable their 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 um, user their 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 customer journeys, their 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 user interfaces touch points. And um and so I think once you start look, looking under the hood of these companies, you really see a lot of just legacy, legacy, a lot of um, organizational optimization that needs to happen, um, a lot of modernization that needs to happen within their tech stacks in order to allow them to be more nimble and more flexible. And, um, it, and just, it just opens up a lot of opportunity. And so I think, I think until you really start to engage, you don't really know the, the depth of, of where these projects are going to take you. And then once you realize that, then it's a scramble of figuring out, okay, so, you know, we have this piece, this piece over here, and you start to define what that user journey is. And then what are the technology touch points that are going to enable that user journey? And then once you start to uncover where they are from a, from a tech stack perspective, you have to go in and really figure out, okay, so is this the right solution in order to, to enable this touch point or this experience for 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 the brand and then once you define what that solution is going to be then it's a scramble to figure out okay so do we have the right people do we have the right partnerships in order to make that happen and that's really where we as an agency start to bring all that stuff together and it really comes down to you know i've been doing this for a long time and it comes down to to really playing that sherpa role and and leveraging your experience um, across multiple client verticals, across multiple tech stacks, and and really start 
you know, un, unraveling that spaghetti and, and starting to put those pieces together. So, and so it's, it's, always, it's always a challenge and I know I'm just kind of rambling, but um, it, it's uh, the, the exciting thing about it is, is that there's always something new. And I think that's, what's kept me engaged in this industry for so long is that I'm constantly learning something new. Um, whenever I think I know something, it turns out I don't. And um, there's always challenges. So I always, I always tell people if, if, if you're not getting your lunch handed to you every day, then, you know, <laughs> something's not, not, not working right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think everyone can agree that it's really important to be challenged at your job, not just go in and just push a button every day, all yep. day, and not really learn anything. But on the topic of digital transformation, we we had this company on recently called Insight that I hadn't heard of prior to the podcast, but they're actually huge and they just do like all sorts of IT stuff, in, including like digital transformation. But I remember they're talking about consolidating your IT vendors down to one. And they were also talking about what you're saying is like being the expert for picking your tool chain. And that like was the first time that really started to click for me in that there's a lot of value added there in having someone that is an expert on what tools to pick to solve your problems. Yep. And you're continuing to connect the dots for me in like how important it is to not only pick the right tool to solve the problem right now, but also to pick the right tool that you can live with for a long time um, and not end up with those legacy systems. Yeah, abs absolutely. I mean, I part of part of the value that that agencies like like us bring to the table is that outside in view. I think that when you're working on something, you get your blinders on, you can really you don't really see the big picture and it really takes somebody else to come in and say, okay, Hey, from a, from, from, from a 30 foot thousand view level, I've seen some of this before. This is what I think you guys are doing. This would be some, some of my suggestions around how to better optimize. I mean, it, it, it honestly, it comes down to people, process and systems and, and, you know, system wise, um, a lot of, these older companies and, and, and really, I mean, I, I, I shouldn't say older companies because I, I see this across the board, but, you know, they're so busy, like I said, trying to get something to market that they create these monolithic architectures that are not scalable because they're trying to solve the need for the day, not the need yeah. for the future. And just like technology, you know, technology evolves and, and it's constantly evolving. Well, businesses constantly evolve. And so as a business, you have to be just as nimble as the technology that you're leveraging. And so I think going in and, and getting an understanding of what of what the foundation systems are, what the goal is from a from a marketing or a brand perspective, and then how do you enable that through through technology? You really start looking at and and I look at things about, you know, you think about like emerging technologies like like AI and machine learning. I know those are those are buzzwords, but you know, I I I part of our job is to look at those 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 new technologies that are coming out, do you know, evaluate those technologies against our customers' business goals and see if they're the right fit to help them better modernize their systems, better reach their customers, create new interfaces or, or new touch points um, for, for, for their marketing. And so, you know, I look at things like, so, you know, things that I'm excited about right now would be like Jamstacks. I mean, the whole Jamstack ecosystem is just, 
is exploding right now. And you think about the evolution of the content management system going from this you know, monolithic architecture to a decoupled to now a head list, which is microservices. And this is something that I, I've been talking about for six years now. And now to see it finally starting to really come to fruition is pretty exciting. And, you know, one of the things that we've done here at OX is we just rebuilt our, our corporate website and we're using a, we're using a, a headless WordPress implementation for that. So we're fully embracing Jamstack. We're fully, you know, doing static content generation. How can we leverage that not only for ourselves, but for our clients to create more flexible architectures that will enable them to deliver messages or experiences through more touch points, more channels for their clients. And so I think that, cool. that's what's really exciting about the evolution of that. Yeah, you got to practice what you preach. And I, I got to say, like, I, I had a chance to check out the Office of Experience website prior to this, and it is beautiful. Like, that is probably your best advertising that you can have, like, for a company that's going to come in and build your website for you. You better have a stunning website. And yeah, you do. It looks great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and that's always the worst project you can get on as well. <laughs> doing, doing your own company website, that's always, that's always the worst project. But I think it, I, yeah. I think it turned out well. Absolutely. So uh, one thing that I'm curious to get your perspective on is, so when you're working with clients, you have like a 360 degree view of their entire brand and you're helping build their brand up completely, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of depends. It, it depends on what the engagement is going to be. I mean, we do, we do everything from 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 doing brand strategy, research, insights. Um, you know, I mean, even in, into rebranding logos and um, and 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 content for for uh, for for the way companies um, um, advertise themselves to to just you know going in and just to, just doing you know, front-end development to full replatforming or doing integration. So it really kind of runs, runs the gamut. So ideally, I mean, I mean, that's kind of the ideal client is to go in and be like, Hey, let's, let's, let's talk about reimagining your brand and how you speak to your client. And, and, and that's where, you know, things get really exciting and, and meaty. So. Gotcha. Yeah. A little while ago we had this, have you heard of a company called OPSEC security? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so they were on the podcast recently, and that was my first exposure to OPSEC. And so they, they do 360-degree brand protection, uh, anywhere from piracy prevention to like those little hologram stickers that you see on physical goods to make sure that those are not counterfeit. And I kept seeing this phrase on your website over and over again that the experience is the brand. And I was just curious, how do you think about brand protection when experience is the brand? I think when, when we talk about the experiences, what is the interaction the the customer is having with that brand that that is that is um, representing is is that experience representing what the brand is, what the vision of the brand is, or what the brand is trying to communicate with that customer? And so, so I, I think we're looking at it more from that lens. And not necessarily from a, from an IP lens. I mean, I know I think OPSEC does more from a, from an IP perspective. Right, right. So I, I wouldn't really see um, that's not really in, in in our wheelhouse or what or what we would be focused on. That makes sense. 
But yeah. when the communication strategy becomes a differentiating factor for a company, like at what point does that cross into the realm of IP, you know, because a lot of times companies, that's what makes them stand out is how well they're able to interface with their customers. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, you're always going to see, you're always going to see uh, knockoffs. You're always going to see, I mean, if, if, if one brand is successful, I mean, it's just, I've been watching on, on Discovery Channel lately. It's the, it's the history of food, which is really amazing because it talks about Nabisco and talks about all these Coca-Cola and all these major brands and then how they had to battle all the, all the copycats and all the knockoffs. And, 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 and so it's, so I can, I can definitely see that. I think from a technology perspective, though, if you think about the experience, you think about new, new interfaces, new ways, new, new um, channels in order to communicate with people and how that's enabled through, through a brand expression and technology. I mean, I could see that being very similar is that people would, would see something that works and they'd want to replicate that and push that out as their own. So, but, you know, the good thing about technology is that, you know, a lot of it's not proprietary. A lot of it is open source and you can leverage it in the way you want to leverage it. And if people copy it, they, they copy it. Right. So, I mean, that's what, you know, back in the day when I first started doing this stuff, I mean, that's what we would do. We would go to websites that we thought were really cool and we would, we would look at the code and <laughs> copy all that code and, and then reformat it for our own uses. That makes so, sense. Yeah, well, I mean, it's all about the execution and the creativity, like the human aspect of it, not necessarily the code that's there. Yeah, yeah. And that's where, you know, and, and, and you know, the creativity part of it, you know, where as a, as a developer, I consider myself, I consider myself pseudo-creative, but we definitely have, have people at Office of Experience that are a lot more creative than I am. That are that I that I trust to uh, come up with those ideas and to uh, to create that um, that interface or that brand expression that that we can then translate into a technical solution. Yeah, so you must have a lot of designers at OX, right? We do. Yep, designers, UX, strategy, copywriters. So it's a it's a very integrated team here, and 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 that's you know something I really enjoy about agency life as well, and why I've been doing it pretty much my entire career is that just the collaboration of the different disciplines. You know, I think that, that in my experience coming up through the ranks is as a developer and a technology director and, and now CTO is that, is that, you know, my right hand person was the, was the UX director. So when I was a tech tech director, it was the yin, yin and the yang. And, um, and we, we sat at the same desk across from each other. We collaborated on all of our solutions. We collaborated on all of our new business pitches and ideas. And it was, it's really that, that yin and yang between technology and the, and the user and the IA user experienced uh, lead that really creates these, these great experiences that we can build. Yeah. So what, what is possible? Yeah, I mean, it seems like with what you're doing, it would be pretty impossible to be successful if you had any amount of siloing between yeah. departments. So are you structured with like product teams like that each, or sorry, uh, project-based teams where like the designer and the developer and like UX is all together working on um, each individual project? Yes, absolutely. So, so as, as we start to work across, so, I mean, we have, we have, we have 
vertical teams. So we have fully integrated vertical teams that are aligned to specific clients or, or, or projects. And then we do horizontal capabilities across that. So we have we have subject matter expertise, whether that be in front-end development, back-end development, UX, BA, those all do horizontal crosses. So that way we make sure that not only are we collaborating from a, from a project or a client perspective and we're not siloed, but we're also not siloed as disciplines as well. Okay, yeah. I, so I saw on the Office of Experience website that it says you're a T-shaped company for T-shaped individuals. Is that what you're getting at with the vertical and horizontal? Um, <laughs> kind of. I mean, you know, I, I, I like the, the uh, T-shape because, you know, we, we have subject matter expertise and disciplines that go deep. And then what's that, what's that also saying is that not only can we go deep, but we can go broad. And so, you know, where, where I think office of experience differentiates itself from other agencies is that we've done a really good job of bringing in senior people that have been in this business for a long time and understand the landscape, understand um, their, their, their discipline, understand how multidiscipline capabilities work. And they're able to broaden out across or they're able to expand out of just their, their sole focus and see a bigger picture. And I think that's what we're really trying to put across as a as a t-shape and 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 I, I do that from a development standpoint as well you know i've i have a saying that i've been saying for you know a, a long time now but it, is that is that when i'm building a team i'm i'm i don't want i don't want developers i want solution architects i want people that have the experience that have the 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 depth the knowledge of not only technology but can understand the business understand the requirements and are able to develop solutions based off that broad spectrum of experience and knowledge and when it comes down to development i, I kind of look at it and, and I, i'm not knocking developers i'm 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 a developer as well but a lot of this, you know, we can we can build anywhere, but it's really it's really the solution definition that that I find key, and that's what I really push for when I'm when I'm looking to build a team is to get that subject matter expertise. That's a thread that I think has been coming up a lot recently in terms of being a tool based developer or a solution based developer. Like someone be like, yeah, yeah I'm really good at Ruby, um, yeah. but it's like, okay, well, we need you to develop in something else for this project. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, people, people, you know, I, I hear this all the time, especially, you know, if you're looking, especially around front-end development and they're, they're like, oh, you know, we have to have a React developer. You know, right. needs, you know, this person needs, you know, five years of React. I don't know, has React even been around for five years? But anyway, it's like, they need like five years of React. They need all this experience. And at, at the end of the day, I'm just like, you know, we don't need a React developer. We need a developer with with strong expertise and experience in JavaScript. And whatever framework we're going to use is the framework we're going to use because it, it it may be React right now, but in six months it's going to be Rasmataz. Yeah. And 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 you know, so you got to get ready for Rasmataz. <laughs> and by the way, Rasmataz was the name of my goat when I was when I was a kid. <laughs> so I am I am determined to develop a framework called Rasmataz that, that, will, <laughs> that will that will be awesome. You know, so yeah, so but that's just that's that's more about focusing on on the current need and not and not the future. 
And so what, what I try to do um, is I try to look at what does that future need? What is that roadmap? How do we enable the, the scalability that's going to get us to the future and not just look, look for what we need today? So when you're looking for these solutions-based people, what kind of questions do you ask in hiring to weed them out and find them? I ask them how good their juggling is. So how well, how well can you juggle? And, uh, you know, I, I look for I look for folks that that have been in the agency landscape. I think if you've been in the agency landscape, you're used to dealing with multiple tech stacks, multiple frameworks, multiple clients. You're you're used to jumping around and um, being able to, to think on your feet, make quick decisions and, and, and really stay on top of of the technology landscape and and. And, and be able to, to, to synthesize that into actionable solutions. And so that's really what I focus on when I'm, when I'm talking to people, when I'm building teams and trying to assess skill sets. It's really the flexibility. I'm, I'm not looking for, you know, I mean, well, there's, there's some cases where, yes, I'll need somebody who's a, who's a Sitecore MVP to, to do some audit to, to you know, to, to, to help me figure out some sort of solution. But at the end of the day, I'm looking more for people who are flexible and open to learning new things and and and, and evolving their skill sets and not just being focused on 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 a single solution. I mean, I, I remember, I mean, you know, Flash. Just you know, take a look at Flash. I, I, you know, we built everything in Flash back in the day, and then it's like we went through this one phase where you built everything in Flash, and then all of a sudden you took all those Flash sites and you rebuilt them in JavaScript. And so there was like this five this five year period of Flash Dev, and then this five year period of JavaScript Dev to translate all that Flash into JavaScript. And I, you know, I mean, I remember back in the day, a Flash developer could could get anything. I mean, their hourly rates were whatever they wanted. And then all of a sudden, they were all unemployed. And so, you know, I think when it when it comes to this industry, technology as a whole, you just you really can't pigeonhole yourself in any specific platform or a technology. Absolutely. Anyone who's been around long enough has learned that lesson over and over again as they've watched their peers fall away as they've died on whatever hill of whatever software they pledged their lives to. Or <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you want to talk about leadership a little bit at your company? Sure. So how would you say... So are your direct reports like mostly tech people, individual contributors, or are they like engineering managers? Uh, you know, we're, we're a pretty small organization, so it's a pretty flat structure at the moment. I mean, I've, I, I've worked at, at, at larger global agencies where I've built global teams and across multiple offices, and I've created that hierarchy structure of, you know, you know, uh, VP, tech VP, tech director, tech lead, senior engineer going all the way down. And, and we, we definitely don't have that here at Office of Experience. It, it, it's pretty flat. And what, what I focused on more is what we discussed around, around you know, solution, solution developers, not, not just developers, solution architects. And so the way... The way that we have our, our structure set up is that is that we have um, SMEs that are really good at certain certain pieces, and I and I and I and I put those folks in in positions where they can be successful in Excel, but also in positions where they can they can learn. 
um, you know, different, different skills, different technologies. So it's always about how do you, how do you take that, that, that person to the, to the next level when, when it comes to, to leadership. And I know that's not really your, your question, because you're talking more specifically to office of experience, but, uh, but, you know, I'd say just overall the team here, it's a small team and it's a very, it's a very senior team. And, um, and so I think, but as we scale, I'm looking for more opportunities to start bringing in developers underneath these senior folks to help kind of build that out and to, to build up that, that, that whole structure. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be really cool and exciting for you working with just such a wealth of experience around you saying how your team is full of all these senior people. That's awesome. Well, well, I mean, one of my, you know, one of my solution architects I've known for, I've known for 25 years. So uh, I have a, a what's that? Are they in your band? (laughs) <laughs> he's, he's not in the band so unfortunately no no one in my band does this so but um it's uh i i think you 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 surround yourself with with people who are way smarter than you and and who are going to help you achieve good things and so i've always i've always believed that i i, I definitely don't micromanage i let people um you know we're all adults we're all professionals I let people exercise their strengths and their skill sets, and I do what's needed to support them in order to enable their growth. And if if that if that wants if, if that growth is, you know, if you think about the Y axis, if that if that growth wants to be a subject matter expert and go in that direction, then absolutely. Or if that growth means they want to get more into management and leadership, then I I, I, to, I totally help them out with that as well. But you know, but it, it's really about finding your your core team folks that you trust folks that that you can uh you know put on any sort of project and just not have to worry about it because you know that it's going to be taken care of yeah so, i mean you're not actually saving yourself any time if you're hiring someone to take responsibilities and then just continuing to do those responsibilities yourself yeah <laughs> Absolutely. And I've, and I, I've done that enough in my career. I've had to, I've had to roll up my sleeves and jump in and, and make something happen. So, you know, you kind of, you kind of got to, got to play both sides. So what would you say are you learning right now as a leader? What am I learning right now? You talk about, you talked earlier about how you got to be getting challenged every day. What's challenging you, man? <laughs> What's challenging <laughs> I don't know, there's, there's, there's a lot. Of, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm always challenged. I think the, the higher up you go in your career as a technologist, the less hands-on you can be. And, and I've always struggled with, with the balance of that. I've always struggled with, with how far do I get in the weeds versus staying up high so I can see the big picture. And, um, and, and you want to get, and I definitely haven't found that balance yet. I mean, it's still a work in progress. But you know, you want to get deep enough to where to where you can not only advise and help, but but you're also you can also articulate where things are at, where the progress is at, and make sure that your clients have you know complete visibility into the into the current project or or or, or, or process. But you don't want to get in too deep to where you're you're missing you're missing the big picture. You're not seeing the long-term vision and, and, and the goals that need to happen. 
I struggle with that. And I, I still haven't figured out if, if I still haven't figured out a good balance between that and if I'm doing a good job or not. So <laughs> I'd say, I'd say that's probably what I'm, what I'm trying to learn the most. And then on top of that, you know, as a, as a technologist, as a developer, somebody that, you know, I, I used to put on headphones and, and, and sit down and focus and just build stuff for you yeah. know, hour, hours, hours every day. And the more you get away from that, the more you feel like you're, you're out of touch and you want to, you want to, you want to find ways to, to, to get back in and to keep your skill set, you know, your, 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 your skills sharp. And so I think, I think that's a, that's a struggle as well. And then there's, there's just so much out there and so many different things that you can focus on and learn that, you know, it, it's, you have to kind of pick, you got you to gotta pick where, where you want to focus, where you want to invest that time. Absolutely. That's, yeah. that's got to be really hard to find the, where to draw the line of how deep your knowledge needs to be on every project. Absolutely. Yeah. How far, how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? <laughs> and, 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 you know, and that goes, or, or you need to go and that, that goes for projects and that, and that goes for, for proprietary platforms and technologies. I mean, I, I've been doing content and commerce builds for the majority of my career and, and I've definitely seen the evolution and of, of these large scale platforms and the ecosystems they create. And you think about, you know, platforms like Salesforce and, and, and Adobe. I mean, I've, I've done, you know, multiple AEM implementations o- over the years and that, that ecosystem just keeps growing and developing. And it's just, you know, how, how do you have the time or how far can you go in the rabbit hole to make sure that you're, you know, completely aware of all the latest and greatest coming out of those, out of those platforms. And then how, how, and then being able to translate that to your clients in order to make sure that they're leveraging these platforms that they're on to the best of, of its capabilities. So, and that's why, that's why I hire people that are smarter than me and yeah. can, can focus on this stuff. Yeah. That's what I was, I was about to get at is that it sounds like when you're evaluating something like that, you have to ask yourself the question, am I the single person that like, do I add more value being the expert here than anyone else could, you know? And if the answer is no, then that's when you hire the expert that can add more value than you. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. So how do you approach failure with your teams and like make sure that people are like comfortable when something goes wrong, being open about it and having that post-mortem and everything, how do you like build that culture of openness? Fell, fell fast and learn. I mean, I think, I think that's extremely important. It's, it's important because you want, you want to try new things. You want to experiment, you want to push the boundaries. I think, you know, part of what we do is when, when I'm, you know, and I was just talking to a client about this yesterday in fact, was, you know, I was talking to him about his current state versus what, what the future state should be. And then, you know, the client's coming back to me with, well, you know, these are all the, these are all the limitations we have. And, you know, these are the things we have to deal with internally. And so, you know, we can't really just do that. And, and I was explaining to him, it's like, you know, my, my um, role in this is to push you is to, is to help modernize you. So of course, 
I'm going to push you as far as I can in order to, 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 to really go for um, a more modern approach, a more modern architecture, more modern tools. And, and, and I, I feel the same way within our team as well. So it's like, you know, we need to, there's so much out there that can be used, but should it be used? And how do you evaluate those pieces? Is this the right solution for this problem? And even if you're not, even if you don't think it is, then it it's really gets into like, well, let's let's do a POC. Let's figure out, okay, let's do a proof of concept on this. Let's see if it is right. Let's do it quick. Let's see if it fails. And if it fails, we've learned what's happened from that. And then we move on to the next solution. And so I think it's really about building that sort of culture and that approach with the team so they do feel comfortable doing things like that. They do feel comfortable bringing up new ideas or, or new ways of doing things. Because, you know, like I said, it's, it's you know, businesses are evolving, technology is evolving, and this is just, this is just part of it, and we have to evolve. Yeah, that makes sense. We, yep. I forget who said it, but we had someone on the podcast recently that said, the most common downfall he's seen of people's careers is resisting failure because oh. like in technology failure is a part of your reality um and so if you're resisting failure you're resisting reality and yeah. that was like like a <laughs> mind-blowing yep. moment you know like hearing him say that this just sounded so profound and usually when i feel usually when people say stuff that sounds super profound it immediately like turns me off because it sounds like they're <laughs> they're trying to do that but that was like a really cool moment of the podcast to me but well i mean i i i I, to I i totally agree with that and i think you know especially when you when you get into um when you get into uh like like data for example i mean data is just filled full of failure points and when you're when you're trying to when you're trying to normalize data aggregate data you're trying to pull data into different systems into different formats um you know you're trying to pull data from different platforms that are constantly changing and upgrading and breaking connectors and all this stuff it's nothing but failure points and you have to be prepared. Whenever I go into a data project, I make sure that the team I'm building around that, especially on the project management side, understands failure and understands that, that, that when it comes to data, this isn't going to be black and white. This is all gray. And we're all going to kind of go on this journey together and figure out how to do it because it's, 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 it's always, always, it's a challenge. It's always a challenge. For sure. All right. I got one more like kind of career advice question for you. So going back to when you're building this website for the band, you know, you, you don't even know that your career is going to go down technology yet. But if you could go back and talk to that version of yourself, what advice do you give them for uh, the career going forward? Wow. Um, what advice do I give them? for the career going forward, I would say, I would, I would say, don't take yourself so seriously. I mean, at the end of the day, what, what we're doing, or, or at least what, what I'm doing with my career, I know there, I know there's some other technologies and, 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 and areas that this is a little different, but, but, you know, when it comes to, advertising, marketing technologies, you know, stuff I'm doing around a agency, 
we're not we're not saving lives. We're not, you know, people aren't dying. And and so I think back at some of the frustrations I had when I was younger or, you know, when when I had team members who were younger and I, I was younger at managing teams and you just you, you get so caught up in the moment and you start to really stress out and you spend, you know, days on end sleeping under your desk trying to get something something to work or something out the door. And I just I think you just have to take a step back and just be like, it's going to be OK. We're going to figure this out. And and just don't be so hard on yourself. That's, so, I don't that's know if some really good I, advice, especially for. I'm just saying, I, I don't know if that's really good advice, but. <laughs> no, I think it is. Like, especially today when with um so many more people working remotely and it's so much harder to draw those healthy boundaries around work. I feel like it's a lot easier to when you work in an office, you go home and you leave work at the office. But when. Yeah. Your desk is right next to your dinner table or your desk is your dinner table. When do you stop? You know, no, that is that's true. And, and, you know, I know, I know there's, I know that there's, there's deadlines and, and, you know, there's, there's expectations, things have to get done. But at the same time, part of, I think what, what, what part, what makes a successful agency, a successful team, a successful company is having visibility communication and trust. And, and as long as you have those three key things, everything's going to be fine. And, you know, as, as long as, as long as you're communicating with your client, with your team, they have visibility into the progress to the milestones and, and they trust that at the end of the day, it's going to get done. Then I, I really think that that kind of solves, that solves 90% of the world's problems. So, you know, it's pr probably a, probably a good three things for everything outside of technology. That makes a lot so. of sense. Is there anything that we didn't get out there that we need to get out there? How do people get in touch with Office of Experience? Are you hiring? What do you want to get out there? Absolutely. No, just uh, come to our come to our website, officeofexperience.com. Um, it's like Adam said, it's a, it's a pretty good looking site <laughs> and we're, we're pretty proud of it. We're, we're absolutely looking to hire um, you know, if clients are looking to to um, step up their game and to help their business transformation and and uh, create new brand experiences, please, you know, re re reach out. We're here. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.